Busy weekends are a breeze with American Express Platinum Card. 8 a.m., wait to board plane in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> Much better. 2 p.m., grab seats for the game. Come on, pick and roll! 6 p.m., book an exclusive reservation with Resi Global Dining Access. Right this way. Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to the Centurion Lounge, must-see live events, and exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. And we're back on Dealing Together, where we help good people who fell for bad deals. First caller? I had to buy three identical sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller, what's your deal? I paid for 20 tanning sessions, but had to use them in a month. Now I'm orange. Ooh, you got burned. Next caller. I traded in my old Samsung at AT AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24+. Plus. Hmm, how's that bad? I got to choose from their best plans. So what went wrong? Nothing went wrong. And you're calling to... To request a song? You want a song. Of course. My choice is yours. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. This is Holly Fry from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV, like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander. With seating for up to eight passengers and available panoramic moonroof, you can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with the whole family. Check out more national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Calm Down with Aaron and Carissa is a production of iHeartRadio. I just realized when we came on, I look like Andy Dufresne from Shawshank Redemption. (laughs) Am I in jail? You look great. Not at a time like this. Get out of jail free card. Well, I'll tell you what. This is not going to be jail for the next 30 minutes of this podcast. It's going to be take me to church. How you would transition. Yeah, that was a hard segue. (laughs) That was a (laughs) Andrew Whitworth, ladies and gentlemen, will join us on the Calm Down podcast, a 16-year NFL vet, a four-time Pro Bowler, Walter Payton Man of the Year, national champion, and now Super Bowl champion. The captain joins us on the Calm Down podcast, and it is going to be a great storyteller. Love it. Mm-hmm. Let's do it. 16, kid. You could drive a car with the number of years that you played yeah, in the NFL. Have a license. Ladies and gentlemen, Super Bowl winning. You really don't need an introduction. Andrew Whitworth, you know who had a great introduction last night? You and Matthew Stafford in the box. Yes. Oh, my goodness. Go, Kings, go. Andrew Whitworth, you have won a Super Bowl. You are the Walter Payton Man of the Year, and you played 16 years in the NFL. Welcome to the Calm Down Podcast. This is your gift for that incredible <laughs> resume. I, I was going to say, how low is your life now that you're here? No, I'm kidding. Joking. <laughs> the highlight of everything that's been brought together at this um, moment right here. Culminates right here in the wine fridge. I mean, grab a bottle, pop a bottle, and let's talk about it. You're a retired man. How do you feel? It's a pretty good feeling. I, I think uh, it's one of those things that the actual retired part probably won't hit until training NFL training camp starts. But yeah. uh, right now, it's it's a lot of fun of just enjoying 
you know, what has been an insane ride for 16 years and some amazing experiences and getting to enjoy it with my family and, and all the friends and, and the teammates and coaches have been a part of it. We call um, in our house when either my season's done or Jarrett's season's done re-entry, where it's like <laughs> you get to know your partner again, sometimes good, sometimes bad. You guys have kids, so your dad, again, even though I know you do a great job during the season, what's been maybe the hardest slash funniest part of re-entry retirement for you? I think probably, you know, when I walk in an NFL locker room or facility, uh, I'm the I'm the captain for the last <laughs> all 13 years, right? Um, and I call I I I don't call the shots, but I think you have the, you know, freedom to probably call a couple shots here or there and kind of run the room and, and the locker room and everything else. And um when I walk in the re-entry time in the offseason, <laughs> I'm quickly reminded that Melissa is the captain of the house. Yes. So I um, I might suggest a few things every now and then that get shot down pretty quickly. And I usually get hit with something like, this is what I do 365 days out of the year. So stay in your lane. Yeah. Is there a snap with that? Your girl is sassy and we love her. She we, is that. Uh, it's usually a snap and maybe a choice word or two that just lets me know, um, you know, go back to my seat and enjoy my uh, sparkling water and stay out of her way. <laughs> you know, Andrew, I mean, ever, there's not a person out there that is not a fan of yours. You have yeah. done it the right way on and off the field. And to have the exclamation point of an incredible season for you culminating in a Super Bowl victory. When we had Matthew on, we had him walk us through that moment when he knew that you guys did it. What was that like for you? Take us back to that moment where you're like, holy shit, I'm about to win a Super Bowl. It was pretty wild. I mean, obviously, the, the last drive for offensively to go down and score that touchdown was just this, you know, ever how long it took six minutes. It felt like it took three years. But <laughs> it was one of those things that once you did it, you were like, all right, we got one of the best defenses in the NFL. We have a guy named Aaron Donald. You just know this guy's going to make a play at some point. But there's still obviously the nerves of anything can happen in a football game. And Standing on that sideline, I can remember when he actually makes the play and takes Burrow to the ground. The ball hits the ground, incomplete, and I literally was just frozen. I, I can remember uh, Jake Gervas, one of the guys, walks up and gives me a hug, and I'm just yeah. like staring as hard as I could. Like, what just happened? Was that fourth down? Was that the end? Like, what happens now? Like, there's got to be some other. <laughs> what happens you have to now? Find, right. Right. So, but it was unbelievable. And I can remember just me and Matthew just kind of making eye contact and it was like, what just happened? I mean, it was just an amazing emotional moment. So Matthew said that, you know, he, Cooper, they didn't know it was fourth down at all. What I mean, you just said it. Is it fourth down? Did you not know or were you like, it is, but your mind is foggy? What was, you know, what was happening there? I wouldn't say I'm a superstitious guy, but in the NFC Championship, at a point in the game, I just stopped sitting on the bench and I started going down on the edge of the sideline, just like sitting on a knee, almost out of the area of the team, per se, wow. just watching, watching the game like on a knee from a link. And so I was like, it just felt for some reason, like just sitting on the bench, just waiting. It felt like I was like engaged more. And so I was watching the game that way in the NFC Championship and obviously things worked out. And so at mm -hmm. some point in the Super Bowl, I was like, you know what? I'm going down there. I'm going to just kind of get way away from everybody and watch from an angle. And that's where I was standing down there. So I knew it was fourth down, but it was like when the ball fell, you still start questioning every rule you've ever been taught by a coach. Like, is there a situation where they get the ball back somehow? Like, what what Rolodex do I have of situations where there's something that could happen and something bad could happen? So it it, it was took a moment to just be like, nope, that's it. Okay, 
all right, it's it. We won. But it was like once it hits you, you were just, you know, obviously all the emotions go, but you wanted to question the moment so much at first. Well, and this is coming from me as a Seattle fan growing up there. Yeah, we thought we had won that second one. And you're like, holy shit, this is it. We got it. And then an interception. So to your point, like in a second, anything can change. And so when you actually know that time's expired, you're not seeing an official or an ump make some ruling that we're going back on the field for one second or whatever it was, it's got to be pretty incredible. And going back to, I won't, I won't make you pick because that's not fair. Was the Lombardi or the Walter Payton a bigger award for you? Because they're both incredible in their own right. But when you found out that you were the Walter Payton Man of the Year, how did you feel when you were when you were going to know that you were going to be a recipient of such an incredible award? I think um, it, it was an amazing experience and something that's so humbling to be chosen a, amongst your peers that way. I, I do feel like for me personally, I'm a complicated human being sometimes when it comes to that stuff. I, what I, do you mean? I love doing things for people. I love charity work. I love people that that's how their heart's driven. And like, that's what they want to do is make things about more than just themselves. That, that just, I, I love that, but I hate the attention around it sometimes. And so it was always like, you know, obviously I was nominated, I think four or five times mm-hmm. and I never wanted to play along. Like you have to post about it. You kind of have to like, they want you to like, you know, get followers. And so I never posted in the five years ever. I always refused. I was a bad, you know, <laughs> NFL player, if you want to say in the marketing of Walter Payton Man of the Year, because I just felt like it was one of those things that I always wanted. Maybe it was just for me personally. I always wanted to keep it about the people I'm doing it for and about the causes that matter Mm -hmm. and not about myself. And so it was hard to kind of like, it took a lot from Melissa and my wife to get me to like, just accept it. Like, it's okay. Like, there's nothing wrong with being acknowledged that way. It's real. It's who you are. So it it took me a little while to honestly accept it. And then once it kind of happened, and honestly, the video before I went out to speak calmed me Tears, down. Yeah. Like, that's just, mm. that makes any sense. Like, like yeah. watching myself out in the community, it made me feel like, okay, it's just who I am and that's okay. And I'm going to go out here and talk about it. But then you go out there and you, I mean, you should teach a class on either memorizing that speech or reading the teleprompter. Because, I mean, I'm sitting next to Jarrett and he's like, is, is he reading this or is this, you know, from memory or is he just going? I'm like, I don't know. I I don't know. I mean, you got it. You could teach presidents. You could teach me. <laughs> I mean, you nailed it. What went into it? Memorizing it or w- reading it? Tell us everything because you nailed it. Well, what was cool is that Tuesday before they had kind of they said, look, you're one of the finalists. You need to yeah. write a speech. And so I just came home from the, the infamous breakfast club. And I was like, you know what? I just been with Matthew and Coop and everybody and, I, and and all the wives. And so I was like, you know, I want to sit down and just reflect for a second. If this is really what happens, what would I want to tell people? And so I just sat down like on my computer and just started typing and kind of yeah. text out what I thought I would say. And then obviously Melissa helped me not sound like an idiot. And she came home and kind of <laughs> for me. Um, you know, I'm not exactly the best speller and writer in the world, but I can talk if you give me something to talk about. So I felt good about that part. But when I went out there, it really just became a mixture of kind of the thoughts I'd put together that Tuesday and what was on my heart. And I kind of just blended both. And I really have always kind of had a knack for when I have a message or something I want to talk about, I don't really need anything, any any prompters or notes or any of that stuff. I just kind of 
go from a place of what I feel comfortable is, is a representation of what I believe and think. And so it was really cool. I think part of that speech, I'm up there like looking around the room like, wow, who's in this room? How cool this is. You know, as an offensive lineman, we we don't even know what that means. The only time he gives us some attention (laughs) is like whether they're throwing a flag or saying we did something wrong. So uh, that's about the only time you get attention in the NFL. So it was a really cool moment for an old lineman. Tired of spills and stains on your sofa? Wash away your worries with Anabay. Anabay, the only sofa that's machine washable inside and out, where designer quality meets budget-friendly prices. That's right, sofas from only $639. Anabay brings you a no-risk experience with pet-friendly, stain-resistant, and changeable slipcovers made with performance fabric, cloud-like comfort with high-resilience foam, and hypoallergenic featherless down that needs no fluffing. Their steel frame ensures longevity, and you can rearrange the modular pieces anytime. And here's the cherry on top, up to 60% off site-wide. It's backed by a 30-day satisfaction guarantee, so if you're not absolutely in love, send it back for a full refund. No return shipping or restocking fees. Every penny back. Join the revolution of easy, clean, stylish living with up to 60% off at anabay.com. That's A-N-A-B-E-I.com. Offers are subject to change, and certain restrictions may apply. When you're an American Express Platinum Card member, don't be surprised if you say things like, Chef, what course are we on? I've, I've lost count. Or, shoot that, shoot that! And even... Checkout's not until 4, so... Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants, elevated experiences at live events, and 4 p.m. late checkout at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. Everyone, please welcome Coach John Calipari. We're getting beat by 18. My first game in Kentucky. They're saying, Cal's a bust. He can't coach. This is crazy. John Wall runs down the floor and makes a buzzer beater. Yep. You remember that, John? That my first game win I ever made. Remember you said you never seen me do that. Ladies and gentlemen, DeMarcus Boogie Cousins. I called Boogie. I'm like, yo, bro, I'm about to commit to Duke. And I hung up on him. <laughs> bro, I'm talking about, do you want to tell me how many times he called me all type of names? Bro, you really sold me out. You doing this. <laughs> <laughs> bro, I was sick. I remember that like yesterday, man. Love you, John Wall. Thanks, Coach. Love you, too. You made me everything I am today. Nah, you made me. You made me. I love it. Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. It wasn't even supposed to be That's my, my dance, dance. Bro. <laughs> So 16 years, you could go back to your first year in the league, you're a rookie. What advice do you give yourself? Oh, man. I think there's so many things. That, you know, it's probably a rough couple years there where I had a lot of things I needed advice about. But, um, you know, I, I think really just embrace the moment, put your head down and realize that if you'll just invest your energy and time into chasing that better version of yourself and realize you'll be greater later if you'll do that and you'll sacrifice a little bit and just trust the plan, trust the passion you have for yourself and, and realize that you're your own best investment. And, and if you can invest mm-hmm. in you, um, you'll have a chance to be successful in one way or form or fashion one day down the road. I love that. 
I think this is one of the coolest stories, just being able to sit with you guys off the field, you and Melissa. Um, you're just telling us how close you are to Peyton Manning and some of the things he's taught you along the way. And I know you've kind of used them in your life and with other players. You didn't play with the guy. Can you talk a little bit about how the relation started and maybe some of the cool things that Peyton maybe taught you? Um, was there something about a handwritten note? Maybe, I don't know. I don't want to steal the thunder, but I, I just sat that night and listened to all these stories and I love them. Yeah, I think that for me, really, Peyton and our relationship is unique because it's one of those things that obviously when you admire somebody as an athlete and you look up to what they've accomplished and maybe that way they've done it. Um, I got an experience that my very first Pro Bowl was actually after years of trying to get in, being an alternate, all this stuff, I finally make it. And it's actually Peyton Manning's last Pro Bowl. Wow. And I went there. This is like the 13th, 14th time he'd been to the Pro Bowl. And that week, I was in awe. I just followed him around. Obviously, we are both from Louisiana, so there's a little bit of a connection there of knowing each other already. And um, We had some similar friends from Louisiana. And so we, we spent a little time that week. And I think I was basically just the young guy whose job it was to keep people away from Peyton and asking him for <laughs> autographs and pictures. And, You're the bodyguard? Yeah, and break anybody's phone that tried to take one. You know, it's like, okay. oh, he's a lineman, you know? These veteran quarterbacks, they know what they're doing. They see a young lineman, they know that meets an instant security guard. <laughs> so I followed him around and I thought it was the most amazing thing that in his 14th Pro Bowl, he walked around with a notepad and like took notes. And when he didn't have a notepad, still asked the questions. And you could tell was really like trying to memorize every little detail he could get out of somebody. Like like, what? What's he writing? What's he writing oh, on that notepad? Like, hey, how do you, what, you know, he's just walking up to Jason Witten and saying, hey, man, uh, you know, what do you what days do you guys work on red zone during the season? Or how do y'all put in your third down package? You know, he's just and he just, you know, Holy him. Like, he shit. Knows what he's doing, and he's yeah. almost like a reporter at the same time. He's like, he knows. He's the like the Larry David from. of football, yeah. right? Larry he's always writing. That. Mm-hmm. And he kind of gets every guy to just get super comfortable, throws a couple jokes, pops a beer. And next thing you know, you've given him the entire game plan <laughs> for like next time when you're playing. <laughs> it's amazing. So I thought it was so cool how well he related to guys and what just what passion he had yeah. to figure out a way to be better. And that was something that I really took from that Pro Bowl and said, you know what, I've got to get more invested in relationships with guys across the league always seeking that information because here's a guy that does it as good as anybody in the world. And he's looking for every little nuance he can to find a way to be better. Who was your favorite player growing up? Who was the guy in, in any sport? I mean, Aaron and I share our affinity like most people do for Michael Jordan or hers was Larry Bird or mine was Deion Sanders. Like for you, who was the guy that you're like, I want to be not even be, but like that you wanted to emulate. And then did you get to meet him or who, how did that play out? I would say, you know, obviously I was a, I was a multi-sport kid. I loved everything. I mean, I played every sport, you know, and I'm a big, uh, I know I've heard y'all talk about different things you, you, you know, you kind of hunker down on. I'm a big genre person. So when somebody says, what's your favorite food? I have to like lay out the different cuisines of food I like yeah. and say, all right, if I was going to say Italian, it's this. I don't like labeling one of one. So I'm going to go okay. sport. Mm-hmm. Tennis, I was an Andre Agassi guy. I had a wild thing racket. That hair. Racket, I thought Ooh. I was the man. Um, and then if I went basketball, I would say, you know, being an LSU guy, being big, I was a Shaq guy. I loved Shaq. Shaq was my guy. Uh, personality. I got big feet, too. <laughs> so, you know, I had some Shaq pumps. You know, the What size shoe are you? I'm a 17, 18. Kind of depends. Cleats, I'm 18s and tennis shoes, 17. So You're not buying it. shoes off the you have to, you have to You have to order shoes, right? There's no 17s or 18s in the world. 
Like, no just chance. like you're not walking in. Yeah. No chance. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's not be my basketball guy. You know, baseball's a Nolan Ryan, Randy Johnson. I was a left-handed pitcher, so I loved those guys. And then football. The big unit? The big unit, baby. How about when he made that bird explode? Do you guys remember that? Of course. Ever. Awful. Well, yes, it's PETA, but yes, I mean, it was... was, Well, outside of that, that's right. I do live in California. (laughs) Be careful. Um, So... Football, it's a weird one because he's actually a guy who has been so cool to me with kind of the last couple of years of my career and then possibly what I want to do next. Um, and I don't even think I've actually told him this, but it, I was a massive Troy Aikman guy. And so oh, I man. loved – I grew up in North Louisiana. Most people were Cowboy fans or Saints fans. I was a huge Cowboys fan. Loved Troy Aikman. And so um, it's really surreal for me sometimes when I, because he's just such an awesome dude to talk and have a cool conversation with him. And I'm like sitting here going, like, oh my God, 12 year old me, don't come out. 12 year old me. <laughs> oh, that's cool. <laughs> so that's weird. so cute. But he's a, such an awesome dude. So it's been, it's yeah. been really cool to get to know him personally. And the one thing I know about Troy Aikman is he loves his linemen and he loves linemen in general, just because obviously the position he played in is appreciation. I too am a huge offensive lineman girl. I've said this to you before. I've said Mm -hmm. it to all my guys that I love. You guys remind me so much of hockey players. You are selfless. You don't get a lot of credit. The what you put your body through. What is the one thing, even people that are diehards of NFL or football, that people don't know about offensive linemen? And it could be funny. It could be gross. Like, what is the one thing people do not realize about that position? I think the most unique thing that I would tell people is, Maybe to some people, when you watch a game, you think about who blocks people or who doesn't and what D linemen out there are some of the best players in the world. But if you really think about what's expected of a lineman, and this is a a great analogy I always tell people, if a defensive lineman gets one sack a game, he'll go down as one of the best pass rushers in the history of the game and go to the Hall of Fame. If an offensive lineman loses one sack a game, he'll never have an NFL career and make it in any team. So the the threshold of difference, obviously it's harder to get to the quarterback, is that 97 to 98, 99% of the time as a lineman, you've got to do your job to be considered a really, really good one. And you look at the really the difference there as a D lineman, you could win one out of 80 reps and you're the best ever. So it's, it's, it's a crazy mm-hmm. discrepancy when you really think about O-linemen, what it really takes to be a really good one, the consistency it takes to be good play in and play out. Those guys have to be so diligent and so on top of everything they do because one little technical mistake and you're cooked. And so I, I yeah. think what, what it's harder for people to wrap their heads around is really you see the one holding call, you see the one mistake, but what you don't realize is there's 65, 70 other plays that they did their job. And you're really yeah. getting on someone who messed up once out of 70 times. You know what I mean? And so it's, it's yeah. a pretty wild discrepancy when you really think about it. Not to mention, fun fact, y- y'all might be able to figure out if it, I'm lying. Only position in the world where you play with your back to the ball. I love when you say that. Yeah, that's cool. Think about that. Only position in the world where you have no idea where the ball is. Only position. Yeah. Oh, in the world. Like even in all sports. Yeah, all times. Like you, you don't, you don't know where the running back's going. You know where the quarterback is with the ball. You're getting, yeah. like when people watch TV, you don't think about it, but that lineman has no idea where the quarterback is. Spe- like think about the guys who played for Patrick Mahomes. You have no idea where he's standing. You yeah, don't have eyes yeah, in the yeah. 
He's running hey. around all over the place. Speaking of another fun fact, this has nothing to do with anything. I just learned the other day that the only sport that you can't wear a white shirt in is ping pong. You can't see the ball. Ooh. Do what oh. you want with that. I just a little trivia that. for you. You know, guys? You just took one of my after-dinner drinks trivia questions now. So I, I got you, kid. Oh, so you're, I, this is, we got to do this one night. We got to have a game night. I feel yeah. like this group would I'm like in. be really good with whether it's Pictionary or trivia or something like that. What's yeah. your go-to board game? Ooh, you know, obviously at this stage of life, I got the kids that are just now old enough to understand. So we go to a lot of Monopoly. You know, there's mm. a big, you know, we got we're teaching a little bit of finances and money. You know, okay. every time we ask <laughs> for a uh, stipend to get on, you know. Madden football games. I need to buy, you know, the Aaron Donald card or, you know, I'm trying to, <laughs> trying to create a little value of how many cards they don't need because yes. they keep wasting their allowance money. But yeah, so we play a little Monopoly every now and then to get a little concept of that. So we, we, there's a lot of Monopoly competitions in the house. So Usually cute. it leads to a fight between mom and dad because one of us is winning, <laughs> but uh, it's okay. What, uh, what, oh, what are we calling it? Symbol? What are, what are, what are you usually, what do you go for? I go th for the thimble because it's easy. The, Do they still have that? Yep. Yeah, they still have that. Um, I'm a you know, Scotty dog I person. I choose because I'm the dad. So, you mm. know, mom's going to choose hers. Mm -hmm. And then the girls are definitely choosing theirs. And then the boys get their feelings hurt if there's anything that they don't think seems like the boy symbol. So sure. I usually just get handed whatever object it is and told, Dad, this is the one you are. That's so cute. Tired of spills and stains on your sofa? Wash away your worries with Anabay. Anabay, the only sofa that's machine washable inside and out, where designer quality meets budget-friendly prices. That's right, sofas from only $639. Anabay brings you a no-risk experience with pet-friendly, stain-resistant, and changeable slipcovers made with performance fabric, cloud-like comfort with high-resilience foam, and hypoallergenic featherless down that needs no fluffing. Their steel frame ensures longevity, and you can rearrange the modular pieces anytime. And here's the cherry on top, up to 60% off site-wide. It's backed by a 30-day satisfaction guarantee, so if you're not absolutely in love, send it back for a full refund. No return shipping or restocking fees, every penny back. Join the revolution of easy, clean, stylish living with up to 60% off at anabay.com. That's A-N-A-B-E-I.com. Offers are subject to change and certain restrictions may apply. When you're an American Express Platinum card member, don't be surprised if you say things like, Chef, what course are we on? I've, I've lost count. Or, shoot that, shoot that! And even, checkout's not until four, so. Because the American Express Platinum card offers access to exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants, elevated experiences at live events, and 4 p.m. late checkout at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. Everyone, please welcome Coach John Calipari. We're getting beat by 18. My first game in Kentucky. They're saying, Cal's a bust. He can't coach. This is crazy. John Wall runs down the floor and makes a buzzer beater. Yep. You remember that, John? My first game win I ever made. Remember you said you never seen me do that. Ladies and gentlemen, DeMarcus Boogie Cousins. I called Boogie. I'm like, yo, bro, I'm about to commit to Duke. And I hung up on him. <laughs> bro, I'm talking about, do you want to tell me how many times he called me all type of names? Bro, you really sold me out. You doing this. <laughs> <laughs> bro, I was sick. I remember that like yesterday, man. 
Love you, John Wall. Thanks, Coach. Love you, too. You made me everything I am today. Nah, you made me. You made me. I love it. Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. It wasn't even supposed to be That's my my dance, <laughs> You can say this now because you are retired. I need a, I mean, you have so many stories from, you know, 16 years in the league. I need a story that most people would know or just something funny with a former teammate or a situation. Just open up the playbook of stories in the NFL that you have that you can share for the Calm Down podcast. You know, one that doesn't get talked about because you get praised all the time, and I already told you I have a really bad problem with that, is that I've actually, the Walter Payton Man of the Year has actually been ejected twice in his career for fighting. So I actually have two NFL ejections. I fought John Henderson in 2008 uh, in a fight that was pretty big all across the field. Uh, It involved a lot of people. And then I actually got ejected with uh, Lamar Houston for fighting in 2012. Um, so I, I've actually been ejected in the NFL twice, which I haven't really informed the boys about yet. But um, one day we will have that conversation. So I got that's a definite story. When you talk about John Henderson, Big Bad John, this guy was six nine, three hundred sixty pounds. He was a big man. I'm a big man. He's a really big man. Uh, that was that was a young. That was kind of the, when I became a captain in the NFL. A lot of people don't know that story, but Cincinnati was zero and eight that season. And that was my second year there, or third year there, and we had not been very so good. So what is this, 2008 year. at this point? 2008. 2008. Yeah. Okay. 0-8, 0-8. I can remember uh, Justin Smith <laughs> saying that all the time. But we literally were 0-8, and, and I had just come from LSU. We won a national championship and been really good. I'd won, I'd gone 58-2 and two in high school. I'd never lost like this in my life. So I was very frustrated, and I actually had a moment as a young player right after I walked through where I pulled the offense up and just kind of said, look, I'm just tired of us like being this kind of organization, this kind of team. At some point, we have to prove that we're not going to just take it from people. And lo and behold, uh, there's always situations when you open your mouth, you get put in that situation. The next day, we end up having an amazing game, best we've played all year. We're beating Jacksonville. And John Henderson takes a swing at me in a game. And I end up taking swings on him too. We both get ejected. I get thrown out of the game. He was Going trying to gouge through. your eyes out. I'm lo- I'm yeah. reading about it right yeah. now. There's actually, a picture where he stuck oh, his yes. and stuck it. his fingers in my eyes and tried to gouge my eyes out. So I ended up fighting him, and I'm waiting in the tunnel when we win the game. And every single yeah. guy, PJ Hoosh, Carson, giving me hugs. Like, and from that day on, I was the captain of the of the mm. team. Look at Big Wick getting ejected. Just so getting out of there, Daddy. <laughs> Yeah, it's a pretty cool story. A lot of people don't think about it, but that's actually how I became a captain in the NFL and a leader of a team is um, in a moment where I got uh, pushed around a little bit. I had to stand up. What do guys do in the locker room when they're ejected? What do you guys do? We know some players just leave or some go back into the stands. Um, Marshawn Lynch? Yeah. What do guys (laughs) usually do? You're having a snack. What's happening? You're texting your wife. Hey, drive home because you're not going to want to be in the car with me. First, I'm texting (laughs) Melissa because she's probably trying to get down on the field to fight herself. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, she's had one eight hundred, you know, whatever bad fan, whatever it is, called on her a couple times. But, uh, <laughs> Pretzels? So no, I'm probably calling her and say, "Hey, calm down." And but too, yeah. I think I literally was so mad and upset. I, I think I just walked around in my pads, like in circles, for the last oh, yeah. day. Could not calm down, and finally got calm enough to like take a shower, get dressed, and wait for the guys when they came through the tunnel. But 
it's uh, it's definitely interesting. Even when you get hurt, it's like the weirdest feeling ever yeah. for the whole team to be out there and you're in the locker room or the training room. Uh, it's it's pretty pretty weird, but yeah, getting ejected twice. That's uh, that's one. Eventually, I'll have to tell the boys the story of, but I'll I'll have finagle it in a way that I was right. Probably there you yeah. go. Always find the silver lining in things. So turning the page forward in the chapters of your life, what's next for you? You mentioned, of course, we, um, you know, Aaron talked about how great you are on stage and how easy it is for you to speak in front of a group and being a captain also prepared you for maybe the next chapter. Is it broadcasting? What do you want to do next? I think right now it's really trying to find where you could fit in and be something that you're passionate about and and get to be a part of a game that I love so much. So I I really i have explored the media route. I think that's something I'd be really interested in doing. Obviously, I'm not somebody that likes to speak in absolutes before I do something specific, whether that be calling games or being in a studio. I think for me, just covering the game and talking about something I love Mm -hmm. uh, would be super exciting and fun. And, And also, I think whenever you're with a team, I'm so team centric and like just worried about what you do that I think it'll be a lot of fun to learn more about the inside part of what certain players in the league that I may not have played with or that I've always been a fan of just from afar what makes them tick what makes them great at what they do and who they are and what makes them special to their building I think but just finding the ins and outs of that and talking about it would be so much fun because to me the game of football is so complex. There's so many different people from equipment managers to trainers to coaches to everyone that make it so special in every unique building you go to in the NFL. And it's more, learning more about that and articulating it to people to, to know the stories they may not know and to cover the games in a new way, I think would be a lot of fun. So I'm excited about that opportunity and and hopeful that I can continue to find a way to chase the next chapter the same way I did. I the think I just closed. Yeah, I think I just realized a show you also could pitch potentially if you wanted to. Chris and I got to see it firsthand a night with you at um, Giorgio. You are one hell of an orderer. And there's Mm -hmm. prep that goes into this, right, Whit? I mean, we know you can nail a game plan. We know you're studying you had to do throughout the week to get ready for your big matchup. But when you get ready to go to a restaurant, you've got it nailed. You've got a blueprint as well, right? Take us through it. It's a lot of pressure to order it for is. the group. Yeah, I, that's one of my favorite things in the world to do is, is to be the guy who puts in the order and kind of have a plan for everybody at the table and what they're going to kind of the, create the experience, if you will. <laughs> uh, you know, so I think that comes with having a little juice, being a little fun, being able well, to have a little plan of what people like. And so I love to do that kind of thing. But you really think about it. There's little things that you don't realize. But to me, like being a captain does not mean that I'm in charge of people. It means that. I have an ability to find out what kind of makes people tick and what makes them who they are. And I know how to speak to them or relate to them or find ways to make them enjoy what they do. And to me, leadership is about the ability to make people want to walk in a room with you, not tell them to go in there. And so I think that part of that is just that's what I love to do. I want guys to have an awesome experience when they're playing the game or they're sitting around the locker room or they're hanging out in the cafeteria thinking about what's next for them. And so to me, I look at dinners like that the same way. Like I I want people to be like, that's somebody I want to be around. That's somebody that I want to go to dinner with or walk in a room with. And I I think for me, that's kind of been a part of who I am as a leader, creating those kind of cool opportunities where we all spend time together. I'll order a bunch of food or go to a pick out a really cool place for us to all go hang out. And um, I think that's been one of the things I'll miss the most with the guys. experiences. But I always got you guys that I'll, you know, we'll do another dinner eventually. You know, know, y'all know my ordering skills. I don't play around. (laughs) 
take it away. That's why you are the captain. I want nothing to do with that because it's so much pressure. There's only a fail in it when people are like, oh, I don't like this. I don't like this. So not with, he had six pastas on one plate, all divided for all of us. It was the best night of my life. It was, you did crush it. Somebody's bound to like something, right? (laughs) But you got to have a plan and then there's going to be trial and error. But eventually once you figure out, you know, what everybody likes, you can create a good experience. Plan your work and work your plan is what my father always says. What are you going to say? I'm going to lose my mind. I cannot believe I didn't ask this earlier. And I know we've got to let you go. But Andrew Whitworth played for Nick Saban in college. Mm-hmm. And I have, uh, we haven't really, uh, you know, off the field gotten to talk much about that wit. I know you uh, said you have great stories. I, I'm obsessed with him. I would like to name our first child Sabin, mm-hmm. even though I'm a Florida Gator, but I love him so much. Chris, I got to meet him uh, at the Masters. <gasps> Can you give us your best Nick Saban story? I'm sure you have a thousand. Oh, man. Uh, There's a lot of really good Nick Saban stories. And funny (laughs) enough, I was actually going to relate Nick to my ordering skills because one of the things I learned from him is that most people don't understand that Nick's explosive things and the things he goes off on, they're already predetermined. Like he already knows what it is that drives him crazy. And he's prepared a statement that the right person asked the question, he's going to let it rip. He's not actually out of control. He knew what he was doing, and that's why he can go from like explosion to all right. Next question, because he he are, he kind of knew he was about to do that, and so I have always been someone. The way I can go to a dinner and do that is that I'm preparing ahead of time. Like I kind of know exactly. I don't ever walk in a situation that I don't. I've already thought through or prepared that that's what I'm going to be doing, and I learned that from him. And so, yeah, my best Nick Saban story is that exactly his ability to actually come off as this jerk who like rips people and creates this scene. But what people really don't know about him is that that's actually kind of funny to him. And he actually enjoys it. There's plenty of times of like in a practice, a young DB messes up, he'll walk by like, hey, Whit, watch this. And then just explode <laughs> all over the kid, the coach, everybody's, you know, and he's just coming by with a little smile, a little snicker in his face. Like, you know, he he loves that control that he has. Yeah. And I've seen him do it so many times that it's great. Because, like, for me, him and I had a great relationship because I'd just be like, what's up, jerk? You know, and he's just like, he loved it. Like, he, he like, oh, all right. You know, like, he knew that I knew it was kind of, like, planned and prepared. And I think that's one of the unique things about him is his ability to be on every day and in every moment and of pre-thought of situations and how he's going to handle them and what he's going to do to address them is so rare. I mean, it's just hard for people to ever have days where they can do that consistently mm-hmm. day in and day out, be locked in as he is. What an incredible, I mean, I go on and on about, I, I had never met him because I didn't cover the SEC. I always covered the Big Ten. So when he walked in the room, he has this presence that is you know, there's only a few guys that really have it. Jeter has it. He has it. I mean, Michael Jordan, there's just those few guys and he is, you know, the upper echelon. So what a gift that was for you to be able to, you know, play for him. I'm going to leave this. This is the last question I have. Then we'll let you go. But you got to go enjoy retirement. Um, (laughs) Football has taught you blank. Ooh. Um. I think one of the greatest things football has taught me is how important who you are in the good times and the bad really defines you as a person. 
Because to me, sports is the greatest thing in the world because it, it combines people from every walk of life, every, you know, humor there is to everything you're into and not into to every color skin of person that's out there to every zip code and economic background. And you all come together for one common goal, and that's to chase the goal of that team that you're on. And and whatever that inspiration is that you each give each other, you find ways to put all your differences aside and find a common goal to chase together. And so to me, really being able to understand what it means to find out how to relate to people that aren't just like you and chase the good times, the bad times, and be there for them in all of those times and be able to be somebody who really is a part of that process and understands that there's going to be ebbs and flows to everything we do, but we're all going to do it together and we're all going to have an investment in one another while we do it. I think to me, that's what sports is so amazing and why there's nothing greater in the world and why there's so many people that cover it and so many channels that have it on TV mm-hmm. is that you just it's hard to emulate that. I think football is one of those great representations of what we all could be if we could figure out a way to all be on the same team and chase what everybody really wants in life. And so to me, football has given me the greatest example of what life could be if we all work together and just put aside our differences and had a passion and love for each other to achieve one goal. And Ladies and gentlemen, I mean, this is I take me except to church. when you're getting your eyes gouged out in 2008. You know, no, I'm kidding. I <laughs> <laughs> on the prize. You're the ultimate teammate. Congratulations on an incredible career culminating in the opportunity to hoist that Lombardi trophy. Well deserved. Yeah. Thank you, my friend. We appreciate you and your ordering skills. Yes. That's right. Coming to a theater near you again soon. (laughs) Don't worry. I'll have an order prepared. (laughs) The ultimate teammate, and hopefully maybe you're our teammate soon. Yeah. Love you, buddy. Amen. Thank Thank you. you. That'd be fun. Calm Down with Aaron and Carissa is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 